Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. So in this episode, I've got your news and gossip-ish and I've got a really great interview with the Little Blue Dragon and NWA Empower Women's Invitational Cup finalist Tootie Lynn and I have your weekly recap of Raw and NXT 2.0 with a little bit of Smackdown thrown in there. So please enjoy this amazing episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, your favorite chill, positive, and passionate show. Catch the vibe, y'all. All right, so in this news and gossipish segment, there is a lot to cover, especially given the events of last week, um, in the beginning of the week, even in the middle of the week, there has just been so much going on. So we're going to start with talking about the backlash of the Dark Side of the Ring episode, detailing the events from the plane ride from hell. Um, Tommy Dreamer um, has been suspended indefinitely by Impact Wrestling. Um, they released a statement um, a little bit shortly shortly after the episode debuted after he made some pretty terrible statements that I did address in the last episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast that came out um, yesterday where he was basically um, talking about how if anybody was offended by it. OK, well, basically, here's a quote of what he said. He said, He's just flaunting um, and styling and profiling like the Ric Flair stuff where everybody's going to laugh about it. Obviously, somebody took offense to it. I feel this is trying to portray someone as a sexual predator and it's not. It's a joke. It's a gag. And today, 1000% inappropriate. My hairstyle right now is um, inappropriate. I am somehow offending someone right now with my double ponytail. How dare I have two ponytails? And my answer is, I'm 50 years old. I'm happy I have hair. But you're asking, but if you're asking me, I've hung out with Ric Flair. I've never seen him try to force his will against anybody. If that's how um, Heidi Doyle felt, maybe she shouldn't have taken a payout and went to the fullest extent of the law to then put this heinous person in jail. This is my opinion. Now, this pissed pissed everyone off, including myself. Because he was basically relegating it to relegating Miss Heidi Doyle, the flight attendant's um, trauma from being sexually harassed by Ric Flair in on the plane ride to just people being offended or her just being offended. And that um, was inexcusable. And I already went into that on my last episode. But basically, um, the company, Impact Wrestling, released a statement saying that... They are aware of Mr. Laughlin's, that's his real name, comments on Dark Side of the Ring. The views expressed by him in, basically saying the views expressed by him in the um, interview do do not reflect the views of Impact Wrestling and that he is suspended um, indefinitely. And it was so funny that this happened and also his future on Sirius XM's Busted Open Radio um, is definitely in question because he was supposed to be featured on an interview there and that's in question so then today he released a um, statement on his twitter account that basically um, which was basically him trying to like back backpedal um, what he said and just apologizing for it he said 
regarding my comments on Dark Side of the Ring, it was never my intention to offend, hurt, or victim shame anyone. I understand my comments were insensitive and could trigger emotions in someone's own personal past. I do not condone sexual misconduct of any kind. I apologize to anyone I offended. From the bottom of my heart, I am so sorry. Um, this was a problem, but I mean, you apologize and I'm pretty sure you probably didn't think that what you said was going to cause that much trouble, but it looks like it did. But it's like I said on my last episode, whatever, um, consequence that any of these people get, like, I am not, I don't feel sorry for them at all. So also in light of that, Ric Flair's car shield commercials have been pulled after the allegations um, that were aired on the show. So um, PW Insider reported that Ric Flair, who was accused of sexually harassing and assaulting um, Heidi Doyle, the flight attendant on the plane ride from hell, has had an ad campaign of his put on pause by the agency in charge of it. And they got the following statement saying, quote, we take these matters very seriously. As of right now, we are pausing the campaign and we will do our due diligence. Pending an investigation, the report states the commercial will be pulled from the air and there is no current timetable for them to return. So um, before the episode premiered, um, Ric Flair had an interview on Renee Paquette's podcast, Oral Sessions, and he was basically denying that anything happened before the episode was set to air. So a lot and a lot of people on social media were wondering if this meant if this meant that WWE knew that this was going to come out and then they released him afterward because of it, no one has um, addressed that fully from the WWE camp and nobody has said anything. But like I said, any consequences that any of these people face from how they treated the women on that flight, including Dustin Rhodes and also Brock Lesnar and anybody else who treated anybody like trash in those events, you know, I don't feel sorry for them. So, and also, um, a clip from Ric Flair's 30 for 30 and his WWE Storytime episode where he flashed, where he talked about, um, flashing, um, women and flight attendants on a, on a flight one at one point that has also been removed. So yeah, you reap what you sow. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So in other lighter news, um, Big E, the new WWE champion, woo, oh my gosh, I'm so happy about that, talked about overcoming his own mental health struggles. Um, so he addressed it on the New Day podcast episode where they had a conversation about mental health because the boys um, felt a responsibility to talk about um, their struggles with mental health in light of um, what happened with um, Daphne, who was dealing with her own mental health issues which led to her um sadly taking her own life a couple weeks ago and biggie was talking about how there was a point in which he felt like he was you know struggling with his mental health to the point to where he didn't where he was even having suicidal thoughts of not being here anymore so basically um he explained on wwe's the jump that it wasn't an easy road to the top of the card amid a long-term battle that he had with depression. He said, I can't say enough. I'm so incredibly humbled and appreciative. On our podcast, um, the New Day podcast, Feel the Power, we had an episode about mental health. 
that was important for us to have that conversation, especially after the passing of former WCW and TNA wrestler Daphne. You know, I talked about, I talked too about the fact that I'm someone who struggled with my mental health and with depression for a long time and not seeing much value in myself to go from thinking about the juxtaposition of being 20 years old and really struggling and trying to find my way in the world to now where people around the world know who I am and find value in my work and find joy in my work. It's a blessing. I'm grateful to have found purpose and passion. And I am personally so happy that he had people around him um, and his faith and his purpose to sustain him to stay here. Because if not, then God knows what we would have done and what and what we would have missed. And God knows, you know, there would have been a life and a light that we would not have been able to see. And I am so happy that Biggie is here with us. And I am mostly 100% happy that he is WWE champion now. And I'm going to talk more about that in the Raw um, recap. But I'm so happy that he is champion. And I'm so happy that he brings a smile to a lot of people's faces. And I'm just really happy that he's found purpose and passion in his life. So kudos and love to Big E and everything that he has going on in his life right now. Also in the news, we have John Cena talking about how he won't wrestle outside of WWE. So, um, basically he said, um, he, of course, you know, he recently returned to WWE for a Roman Reigns match for the Universal Championship, which he lost at SummerSlam. So he gave a goodbye message after, you know, he left saying words cannot describe how appreciative that how appreciative that the WWE universe allowed me the opportunity to return and perform. Thank you staff, superstars, and most of all fans for giving me an unforgettable summer at home with my family. The journey takes me away now, but I'll see you soon. So, of course, you know, he's gone to Hollywood now and he's making movies and also um, making a HBO Max series based um, based off of his character, The Peacemaker, from the Suicide Squad film that came out this year. So he's doing all kinds of great things in terms of Hollywood, but I'm pretty sure one day he will be back. So a lot of people sort of have been... I guess a little bit planting seeds of wondering what it would be like if John Cena decided to go elsewhere to wrestle if he came back from Hollywood. So um, he shut down that idea at a Q&A session at the Florida Supercon convention per Brandon Ewing of E-Wrestling News. He's quoted as saying, there's a whole like never say never philosophy. And I'm also that way in life because you never know what life will bring you. But I can say with certainty um no about the possibility of me signing with another wrestling company so it seems that John Cena um has basically you know placed his loyalty with the company that he rose to prominence in and one cannot blame him for that so I mean of course you can say never say never because people have been going to AEW and finding happiness and you know love there but he's choosing for himself to stay with WWE and no one can really blame him for that he's a 16 time champion you know they they basically give him what he would want and he's happy there so it's okay also in the news we have Paul White lauding AEW for having creative freedom and actually this is the last story I'm going to talk about so of course Paul White who was um formerly known as the big show during his time in WWE um 
He now currently serves as a wrestler and a broadcasting role for AEW. And he explained during an interview on the Adam Apple's YouTube channel that he doesn't hold any ill will towards WWE and think both products are amazing despite their differences. And then he noted that one thing working with AEW's advantage is the willingness to let performers have a little bit more creative freedom to build their gimmick. And he's um, as quoted as the saying, if you have a promo, you have a promo. And if you have a match, you have a match. There is not as much upper level handling on what they want during the match and what they're trying to present for the extra property they own. Even for me, I'm doing Paul White, but I've never had as much freedom as I do now in AEW doing this. Um, Before, when I was in WWS Big Show, it was a committee to get anything done. Now... This is really interesting because it seems like a lot of there a lot of wrestlers who have been going to AEW lately have been talking about how happy they are when they're there. Even Ruby Soho, formerly known as Ruby Riot, has um, is quoted as to have said this weekend how happy she is at AEW and how she actually feels like she belongs there, as opposed to having a sense a lack of a sense of belonging in WWE. So. With that happiness, I'm pretty sure, you know, there comes a lot of responsibility with that um, creative freedom. But, you know, as long as those wrestlers are happy over there, you know, then that's really all that matters. So that's all for news and gossipish. And now we're going to go to my interview with the Little Blue Dragon herself that I was happy to meet in St. Louis um, during NWA weekend, Tootie Lynn. All right, so on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I have got Miss Tootie Lynn with me, um, the Little Blue Dragon. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. I'm real doing really good. How have you been? I've been good. You know, just working and just being here and just doing show stuff and everything, sharing interviews and all of the above. Um, life is good. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> And I most definitely know that life is, has to be good for you. So we're going to get into it and everything. And I just, I'm just so excited to have you on because, yes. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So I'm going to start by asking you, when did you fall in love with wrestling? So I followed up for wrestling back in like 2017 because that's when I joined. That's when I got into it. Uh, I trained at this school called Dynamo Pro Dojo here in St. Louis, Missouri, Mm -hmm. uh, training under Davey Richards at the moment. Um, So yeah, that's how I got into it. Okay, so you weren't really into it anytime before then? Yeah, before, okay, sorry. Okay, so before, yes. Before, yes, I just been watching it since I was little. Uh, my grandpa would have it on his TV all the time when I come over. So, like, I'm, like, familiar with, like, uh, he would talk about, like, Macho Man and uh, Andre the Giant and all of them and Ric Flair, who was at NWA. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, who's also a huge wrestling fan, she's always uh, watched it with me. Um, she loves Jazz, who was also there at NWA and Awesome Kong. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yes. Well, it looks like, you know, from you watching it and then sort of getting into it yourself, you know, you were able to sort of bridge that gap once you did get into it. So you said that you started, you know, sort of training in 2017. 
So when did when was the moment for you where you clicked that you wanted to pursue it as like a full on career? Um. So honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with it because I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I wasn't sure like how the whole thing worked. Um, like. I don't know, like, but but the fact that it's challenging and I'm always up for a challenge uh, because back in my karate days, like everything was just a challenge. Nothing was easy. Like it's like every everybody was testing me. So I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and stick with this and see where it leads. Okay, and, you, and I saw on your Instagram, it says you have a black belt in karate. I do, yes. So I started karate at the age of 14, 15, around that age, um, and just been doing it ever since. I still train with my sensei to this day. Um, so yeah, I just combined that, combined my martial arts uh, into my wrestling. Okay, so was that a weird, was that, um, how was that transition like? Like, was that something that was simple or was it a little bit difficult in terms of your wrestling training? Or was it just easy? It was a little difficult um, because, like, um, well, I'm, honestly, like, it, it, it's just, I don't know, because, like, it's just, I know, I know not a lot of people, like, have that, like, fighting background. So it's a little tough, like, doing, like, the martial arts with them. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, eh, it's, it's in between. Okay. Well, what would you say were some of the best lessons that you learned while you were training to become a wrestler? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. I said, what were some of the best lessons that you learned um, as you were becoming a wrestler, as you were training? So the best the best uh, thing that I learned out of wrestling is confidence and confidence is always key. Uh, always go into your match with your head high, go in there knowing what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I, I, would, I would definitely say uh, confidence, learning how to be humble and all that. Okay. Um, were there any specific like obstacles that you faced as you were sort of growing into your um, wrestling career? Uh, off, uh, honestly, uh, I would say my size because not a lot of people took me serious. Cause like you've seen me in person, I'm small. I'm not jacked, I'm not six foot tall. I'm not muscular, none of that. So people would like just take me for granted and just think, oh, what is this? So those are, that's one of the obstacles that I face. So really, like, I didn't even know, like, I think, see, in my experience with wrestling, I never wrestled before. Like, I'm just a fan, you know, who has right. a show and all that. But it's just, you, I really hardly ever hear women talk about their size being a factor. Like, mm -hmm. that's probably the first time I've ever heard um, any person on my show say that, you know, any woman on my show say that, that size would be a factor into not being um, taken seriously, like because I've heard it with men but I had never heard it with the women at all and yeah, when I did see you like, I didn't think anything of it you know, because I'm thinking, because when I first saw you in the ring, you were, I just saw like okay, this, is this girl is fierce you know, she has all of her action like she's kicking people, like this is cool you know, mm -hmm. but the size thing, I didn't even think of at all. So, wow, like people really weren't checking for you because you were small? 
Yeah, it, it be like that. Like it's like the, the first thing they see when they notice me is my size. They're just like, you're small. I'm aware I'm small. I don't need you to tell me that I'm small. But as soon as I get in that ring, everybody want to change their mind about me. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Um, I'm glad that you were able to sort of rise above that, you know, because ultimately I feel like size shouldn't necessarily be like a factor into how well of a performer you are. So, right. so I'm really glad that you were able to sort of rise above that and still, you know, kick butt the way that you kick butt and be yourself, you know, like that's, that's great. <laughs> that's really and, great. Like, I felt like, and again, like I've heard that before too with men. I thought that that only happened to men until someone said it to me. Someone actually said it uh, on Twitter that there was like, she's too small like to be on there. And I'm like, I can't help that. Like what you want me to do about that? I can't help that. People can't help how they look. Yeah, that's kind of, it's so funny you brought up Twitter. I actually had an ex a bad experience with Twitter this past weekend. Um, like someone was making fun of me because I um, am a little bit thick, but you know, it's okay. Um, thick thighs save lives, so we're gonna move on. <laughs> I, was, I think you are gorgeous, okay? Like Aww. I think you well, so forget what whoever said that bumped them. I was gonna <laughs> say them. I'm trying to like keep from keep from cursing. I just I just hate how people body shame other people because I like I don't mean to put this on me, but like I was body shamed like once. Like and it, it happened in this business. I was body shamed for not um being thick. Mm -hmm. For for not being thick. I was skinny or too small and like all that. But then, like, I started, like, doing, like, a lot of workouts with uh, one of my friends, uh, Kenny Alfonso and Fred Yeha. I started doing workouts with them. And, like, I've actually toned up some. But, girl, no, nah, uh, bump, bump them. <laughs> no, you are gorgeous. And I love your smile. So, please don't <laughs> don't listen to who, whoever said that. I'm trying to oh. keep from cursing. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. It is okay. And I appreciate your energy. Like, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's a lot. But and then a lot of people also don't take into account that um, even when you're small, people shame that like, the, I feel like a lot of attention is placed upon body shaming in terms of, you know, thicker people, but thinner people can also be shamed as well. Like a lot of people really don't take that into account. But it's real out here. Exactly. And it's not like, fair. It's real it's really not because again people can't keep people, you know, can't help how they look. Like even no matter how how many times, like how much they work out and stuff, like you know, some people just can't help how they look. And it's taken me forever to get bigger, obviously, because I feel like I got like what high metabolism or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. but it's taken me a little minute to get even toner but it's it's slowly it's slowly working but um yeah like that that plays a huge factor in wrestling as well i feel like another thing that's a problem or that's uh an obstacle in wrestling is uh being black oh yeah it, especially being a black female because peep this like a black female in wrestling we have to work a thousand times harder like we, we we just do it's it's always been so hard for us like they would pick they would pick anybody 
over us. Like if we ain't blonde hair, blue eyes, or we just, we're not like white, they just, they just pick, you know, the white girls over us. Like I'm not trying to be like, make nobody uncomfortable, but that's, it's facts. Yeah. And the, and, but even with that, you know, cause I know that that type of stigma is out there, not even just in terms of, you know, body shaming, but also in terms of um, diversity, like diversity in wrestling has been a hot topic, you know, as of late in terms of AEW and also even in, even in WWE, which it seems as if, you know, they're actually working to sort of make adjustments because, you know, here and now, even today, everybody's been celebrating um, Big E winning the WWE title. And, and he won it from another black male, you know, in Bobby Lashley, who held the title for months, you know. But then at the same time, you have a lot of people who are also on the fence and kind of angry about Bianca Belair losing her title, you know, the way she did to Becky Lynch. And everybody's that- just kind of angry about that and then with AEW you know they have a tendency to sort of book some of their people of color mostly you know their black wrestlers on um their YouTube shows but not really on their main TV shows so there's a lot of you know improvement that has to be made you know in wrestling but I feel like the time is you know coming where everything is getting better to a degree because I'm seeing wrestlers like you and wrestlers like Trisha Dore and so many other women and and men you know get their just due you know even in the indies so it's getting better but you know there's always improvement what, what you were about to say something oh no I was just gonna agree everything you said is 100% spot on like we like not just uh indie rest or not just uh you know the bigger companies but indie wrestlers indie booking bookers need to hop on that like y'all need to like see what's going on and then like it's just it's just some bookers out there don't know how to use a black woman and that's a shame if you don't know how ask for help ask for help like freaking i don't know adjust ask for help (laughs) yeah well going well i believe maybe we'll talk more a little bit about that the further we go along um so I wanted to ask you since the first time I saw you wrestle was at the NWA Empower um, Women's Invitational Cup like what was that process like and how exactly did they get in contact with you to participate in Empower and what was that even like like how how was that like I said um before it was very overwhelming I was grateful and honored and excited I'm never gonna stop saying that um, so how it all started, it started with one tweet from a fan. And he, I guess, he found out they were going to be in town that week. And he was like, do not come here without booking our hometown girl, Tootie. <laughs> so then my guys at the dojo saw the tweet. And they're like, oh, hell, hell no. We finna, um, we finna tweet this. We finna, you know, we finna do something about this. So then, like, one day, like, I was just, you know, I think I was, like, at work or something. My phone was just blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Mm-hmm. And I just see all these tweets from, like, different wrestlers, my guys down at the dojo. So, like, it just wouldn't stop blowing up. So then, like, I believe the very next day, Mickey 
James herself, shout out to Mickey, hit me up and was like, you know, hey, I, I'm not sure, I'm not familiar with who you are, but I want to get to know you. So her and I had a Zoom meeting, like how you and I are, and we she just she got to know me, I got to know her, and that's when she was like, Well, I want to announce you as the first participant. And like just hearing those words come out of come out of her mouth, like uh, come out of a legend's mouth, I'm just like did she really just say that? Like, that she <laughs> the first participant to be announced. She didn't choose, mind you, she did, She could have chose a name. She could have chose another legend from the past. She could have picked anybody that was popular on the indie scene, but she, she chose me. Out of all people, she chose me, and I'm gonna be forever grateful to Mickey and everybody involved at NWA. Now, that's amazing that basically your entire hometown just kind of just rallied behind you and yeah. all of your fans sort of rallied behind you in that way. Like social media is a powerful tool, like to get done what you wanted to get done. So just the idea of one fan saying, look, like y'all ain't going to come here unless she's on the card. And right. it, you know, just snowballing into that and into you talking to Nikki James, it's just amazing. So like, what was it like being backstage with so many amazing people like her and Jazz and all and all of those women? Like, what was that like, you know, backstage? Very, very exciting because I got the opportunity to share locker rooms with these ladies and these legends and just learn from them and just pick their brains a bit. Um, and like, I was kind of, no, I'm not gonna lie. I was questioning myself and I was like, do I really, do I really belong back here with y'all? Do I really belong backstage? Do I really like fit in, in a way? And then like, my mom had to keep reminding me like, yes, you do belong. And that, you know, you deserve every opportunity that's, that comes your way. Like, so she was the one who was reminding me, you know, yes, you do belong in that locker room with any, any of them. It's always the moms, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's always, always the mamas that, that, that give you the pep talks. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm thankful for my mom too, cause she's been, she's been like riding this out with me since I started training. Cause even she was like, I'm not sure where this is gonna go, but I'm gonna support you all the way. Like she's been like taking me to my shows when I first started. Um, then, you know, down the line, my, I would uh, make a car load myself and we just, we just go. You know, that's kind of like my parents, like when I started my podcast, they weren't exactly sure what a podcast was. <laughs> and they just knew that I was just going to be talking about wrestling. And, but ever since then, you know, everything that's happened with it over the course of a year, like they've been really supportive and really um, okay with it even with me yeah even with me commentating and everything and just you know even doing women's wrestling talk and going to St. Louis like just having a support system you know even from people that you don't even realize are paying attention like that you know meant the world to me so it was kind of like NWA Empower was sort of our coming out party like it was our first time doing things like my first time interviewing wrestlers in that sort of atmosphere and then mm -hmm. your first time you know with nwa 
So were you nervous, like, going into the ring, like, with your entrance and how everybody was screaming for you and everything? Like, what, did that, like, scare you at all? It, like, it, it just wowed me in a way. Like, I was just beyond surprised, wowed, and, like, I didn't know how my city was going to act, but they, they were so, they were so loud and like just oh my god like I will never forget that energy I will never forget it but I was I was very nervous um but you know my trainer Davey Richards told me it's always okay to have butterflies because that just means you care um I just wanted to make my home proud like I I, I hope I made my city proud so you know I couldn't have done this without them like, I'm more than sure you did, because I remember when I first came in and we were sitting down and I was kind of looking ahead in the corner and I saw your family with your shirts. And yeah. I was just like, who are these people? Because they're all collected together wearing the same shirt. And then when you came out and then everybody just kind of started losing it and everything. And then I saw them and I saw you hug them afterward. I was just like, oh, OK, that's her family. Those are her people. Yeah. So yeah. that was really heartwarming for me to see, you know, that all those people, including your family, were behind you even in that moment. And I will I will just say that I was rooting for you to win the cup. Like when it when it came down to you and Chelsea, like I was like, oh my God, if she if she wins, if Tootie wins, I'm losing it. Like I'm gonna lose my mind and it's gonna be amazing. Um, so how was that? What was that like? Like being in the final two with her? It was nerve-wracking, but I knew what I had to do. So, like, yeah, it was it was fun being in there with Chelsea. Like, although I didn't come out with the win, like, and then towards the end of it, like, obviously y'all saw me boohooing. Like, and it wasn't even because I lost. Like, the loss don't matter, but the fact that I kept hearing you guys, like my fans, like I kept hearing everybody scream for me, cheering for me, like everybody was just, still behind me like after all that like it just it wasn't even about the loss like it's just like dang like y'all are y'all are still behind me even though I lost because like I didn't know what to think I was like man they they finna be mad at me like I, I legit thought like everyone was gonna be mad at me but everybody was still behind me yeah like we were not mad at you at all like we were like well I can see for myself I'm not from St. Louis like I can't speak for St. Louis but I'm more than sure that they were not mad at you because I wasn't mad at you. Like that just wasn't the energy at all. So yes. you don't have to worry about that. Like <laughs> I was just really excited. And I feel like there were a lot of tears, you know, shed that day, like between you and then between Awesome Kong retiring and all of the above, like it was just so sure. much crying. <laughs> that day, I will never forget August 28th of 2021 because that day was very emotional like like you said with Awesome Kong retiring and then like the part when all the ladies came out and everybody was cheering and then when Chelsea was holding that sign up saying it's, it's not just women's wrestling this is wrestling like it was just very emotional then my, my mom and my aunt and my grandma my big sister was there they had the whole room crying when I was hugging them like it was a very emotional day and I felt like everybody in that room shared the same feelings 
definitely. Like, I, I know I am absolutely, you know, happy to have been a part of that in every way, like the entire show and just being able to be there for it. And then being able to talk to so many of you, including you, you know, at FanFest and everything like that with four women's wrestling talk shots and them. You know, just being able to do that, you know, just and being a part of it, you know, it means the world to me because I remember when evolution happened with WWE, you know, I wasn't there for that, but I felt the same way. Like, I felt like those same feelings I had watching that show, I had watching Empower, except it was like times 10 because I was there and actually a part of it. So it was a wonderfully done show. And I'm so happy that Mickey James, you know, had the foresight to do it and to actually you know push for it to happen and I'm just so happy that you were a part of it so to sort of get away from wrestling a little bit so um what was what are some tv shows that you like to watch you know in your free time when you're not wrestling oh girl so I've been binge watching like a lot of Korean horror which is I, I I can't like really put a name on what they were called, but like I've been binge watching like Korean anything like anything that's like Korean horror, like the sh- whether it's a show or whether it's like uh, a movie. Um, so I've been looking at a lot of Korean horror. Um, I also love The Walking Dead. Uh, I love cartoons. I love anime. Um, yeah, like. Um, what else? What else do I like? Uh, I, I know I've been playing my video game. I know that's not like a, a show or anything, but like I just been playing like my Nintendo Switch. I'm looking forward to the new Pokemon game that's coming out in November, and then there's another one coming out in January. So I <laughs> am so excited about that. Um, but yeah, those, those are what I like to do. I also love drawing. I'm a drawer. I love drawing like Pokemon's and animes. I love walking my dogs. I have three of them. Um, <laughs> What yeah. are their names? Okay, so the Chihuahua Mix, she's a Chihuini. Um, Her name is Maromi. She's nine years old. She just turned nine in July. And then we have Coco. She's at least 16 years old. She's a miniature poodle. Um, and then we have our six-month-old Pitbull Lab named Latte. Aw, those are cool names. They all Thanks. sound so adorable. Are like Latte, like she's just a big old puppy. She just loves, loves to play. She tries to play with her sisters, but you know they're older, so of course they don't want to play with her back. So she'd have to go play with her toys, or I'd have to like take her on these long walks to like wear her out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so and then you mentioned video games. Like, there's no problem mentioning video games here. This is a safe space. So, you know, if that's what you do to unwind, then that's just perfectly fine. So um, you mentioned like cartoons, like what are your favorite cartoons to watch? Like for a thing. Oh girl, so I'm I'm gonna go back in time. I wanna say Courage the Cowardly Dog. I love Puff Girls, Johnny Bravo, Ed, Ed, Nettie, Samurai Jack. I love Pokemon, Batman Beyond. Uh, So it's a lot, Uh, Animaniacs. Yeah, those are the greatest hits right there. You basically mm-hmm. list all the ones that I watch. <laughs> oh my god, you watch? Did you watch Rugrats? Uh, I actually didn't. My mom didn't allow me to watch Rugrats. What? <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna tell you why. The reason why is because she she didn't want me to be negatively influenced. Um, because I think because. 
Phil and Lil would do like kind of gross things in her opinion. Like she felt like, you know, they were doing stuff like eating worms and all the other stuff. And she just didn't want me to be negatively influenced by them and Angelica. So she never let me watch it. So for a number of years until like maybe I turned maybe 10 or 11 or 12, I had never watched Nickelodeon. So I hadn't seen all that or any of those other things until way later. So yeah, it was, yeah, my childhood was crazy. bad kids but like come on man like I, I i get it though i get it <laughs> yeah but i did watch cartoon network heavily and then i watched yeah. disney channel as well so those were my main two and then pbs yeah. as well so those were like my main three and then nickelodeon was like way later because my cousin came from out of town and had us watch spongebob and that's just kind of what did it for us then then oh, i watched nickelodeon so everything yeah. is okay <laughs> I, love, I love spongebob too he's he's so hilarious yeah i well since we brought up spongebob like what was what is your opinion about spongebob like now in terms like now in terms of their episodes in comparison to their past episodes the past episodes will, will always be funnier than the current episodes um one of my favorite past episodes is the one with the hash slinging slasher when him and uh, Squidward had to stay at work overnight and Squidward told him that bullcrap story about the hash slinging slasher. Um, yes. And I, I think another another one of my favorite ones is the Krusty Krab pizza episode. Oh my God, I was just thinking about that one and you said it, I can't. Oh my God, girl, every time I order pizza, I sing the Krusty Krab pizza song. You cannot order pizza without singing the Krusty Krab song. Oh my God, that was my song too. It's so crazy. Oh, okay. But <laughs> uh, just to bring it back to wrestling a little bit, um, how did the pandemic sort of affect your career in sense? So it affected my career heavily and it's actually brought me to a like great depression. Um, I thought wrestling was never coming back. I thought my job was never uh, gonna open up again. I, I just thought it was all over. Like, I'm just like, man, we, this is like the new new world order. Like we, we gotta stay in the house. We gotta wear these masks. We, we can never see our friends and family again. So like I was really depressed because in my like I I, I overthink a lot like, obviously like, I over overthink a lot of stuff. Um, so it just led me to worry and I was just concerned about family and friends and just the world in general. So yeah, I was I was very I was very depressed. Yeah, and I know like a lot of people were sort of a lot of wrestlers that I had talked to, you know, once it first once the lockdown really first started, you know, they were still trying to sort of find ways to stay relevant on social media and still try to, you know, make money with their merchandise and all that other stuff. So what was your way of coping with that? Because you mentioned, you know, your depression. Like how was how did you cope with that? So like, thankfully I had like, you know, good support system. I had my, my household. I had like my friends down at the dojo. Um, I had, um, again, my Nintendo Switch. Uh, I would also like look at some wrestling, like uh, look at some like um, old wrestling. I would look at like uh, Kenta. 
Um, I would look at like Mar Fuji and all them. Um, so yeah, like, or, or like, I would just, I would just randomly uh, think of stuff to like do if the world were to open back up. Like, for example, I would like to learn how to garden. I would like to put a garden in my backyard because I, I love flowers. Like, I love colorful things. Okay. Well, it looks like it's, well, thankfully, you know, you had other things sort of occupy your time. And ultimately, I feel like that's what kind of helped a lot of people is just finding out, you know, what other hobbies they could get into and stuff like that. So that's really good. So, um, who, hmm, who has been your favorite opponent to face so far? My favorite opponent so far? Mm-hmm. Jazz. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. I wrestled jazz um, back in 2020. Uh, back in 2020, I wrestled uh, jazz before the whole thing happened, um, mm-hmm. which was a great learning experience. Like, it was really fun work, working with her, and I'd love to do it again. Like, I've seen people put it out there on Twitter saying, you know, hey, like, jazz and Tootie should definitely run it back. Yeah, and it's so weird. It's like everybody's sort of making all these requests and everything for Jazz, even after she's retired. And it's retired. Like, yeah, because, and I've talked, and I talked to her even at FanFest, and it's just like, she said, you know, that if she were, if she were to come back and maybe wrestle, you know, she, she has like her picks and chooses of who she want to face. So a part of me is just kind of like, so are you finished or are you not finished? Like it's it's almost like the door is still open for her to come back if she wants to, but she sounds like she's tired at the same time. So it's just like, I don't want to be inconsiderate and be that person that's just like, oh, you need to come on. But at the same time, you know, if she's leaving the door open, then, then come on. <laughs> so open come back like I mean but I get it though I get it like jazz like shoot I want to you know I want to help the up-and-coming ladies now mm-hmm. like she feel like she probably feel like you know I, I had my shine I had my turn it's time for me to give back and that's exactly what she's doing she's she's giving back to the ladies in, in wrestling right and then with her working backstage with you guys at Empower you know that's one way that she's doing that and that's just and that's fantastic Mm-hmm. She heard her, yeah, it was her, uh, Gail, Kim, and uh, Mickey. They've been like a huge help uh, just being backstage with us. Right. So outside of that part, if you were to ever get the opportunity to be signed to a major company like, say, an NWA or Impact or WWE or AEW, would you take that opportunity? And where exactly would you want to go? Of course. So... What I'm hoping for is like, I would like NWA. I would like to either be with NWA. I would like to be with Impact. I wouldn't mind AEW and I wouldn't mind um, MLW. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, um, I'm, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you good, you good. So like, it's honestly, honestly, wherever, like if the money is good, if the money is good, like where I can like, you know, live off of it, I would take either either of those companies, especially like if it's a non-exclusive deal, then I, where I can do indies and commit to those to the major companies, then I would definitely take the offer. And if the money is good. Okay. 
so that's a pretty good deal to have, you know, because some wrestlers do want to be able to wrestle in multiple places and they do like that. So I, I respect that. And I believe that you have what it takes to make it, ma'am. So I'm putting Thanks. it out there in the universe that at some point, whether it be a year from now or two or three years from now, you're going to be in a major company and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to say I interviewed her twice. So, <laughs> so yes, definitely. So in light of everything that's been going on, how do you feel about the state of wrestling um, as a whole? Because, you know, with AEW, you have all these people, you know, like CM Punk who's made his return. And then you have Adam Cole and Daniel Brian Danielson who come to AEW as well. And then you have everything with the NWA and everything they've done for women's wrestling and Impact, you know, doing their knockout show for the women as well that's coming up. And just everything going on in wrestling as a whole, like how do you feel about the state of it now? Um, We still got some fixing up to do, but like I feel like it's going, it's on the right path. Um, hopefully we can keep keep on with it. Um, definitely we need we need more like went like what NWA did with the women. We need more of that. We need more of that. Um, and again, like we just we need to start like pushing more you know black wrestlers like to be on TV and stuff. We need more of that. Definitely, I agree with that because I mean at the end of the day, you know. I was told this by Sahara Seven, like in some places she has heard that women's wrestling isn't, wouldn't necessarily be a draw, wouldn't make money and stuff like that. And even Mickey James alluded to that as well. And that's just, and events like Empower and even Evolution when they did have it in WWE shows that that's not, that that's not a correct assessment at all. And I feel like an event like Empower would be great to have maybe once a year, if not twice a year. I mean, I'm yes. just being greedy. But <laughs> like if Girl, it happens like twice a year, like that would be fantastic. So um, so to ask you one more question, well actually two more questions. Um, okay. who are your top five favorite wrestlers, male or female? Okay, so top five wrestlers, let me see. Kenta, um, Fuji, Jazz, um, who else? I really like uh, Ricochet um, and Undertaker. Oh, that's a pretty that's a pretty diverse top five though. Like I like that list. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and I also like the fact that you have no problem mentioning um, mentioning Asian wrestlers too. Like that's amazing to me. So I'm just like, okay, like you you really like dart around you know, in terms of the type of wrestling that you watch. And it's really diverse. So I like that. And what would you say the future holds for you? Well, um, so the fu- what, fu- what the future holds for me besides staying on top of my training for wrestling and just keep going until like the next opportunity opens up. I am also, I'm uh, also producing, helping produce a uh, wrestling show on our YouTube channel. It's called BACW Grudges. Uh, myself, Camaro Jackson and Mike Outlaw are the producers, but Fred Yehi is the director. So if you get a chance, check that out. It's on YouTube. We got 28 episodes out so far. Um, and then we will have more to come. That sounds so good. You're producing too? Like you're just gonna be a Jill of all trades, aren't you? 
Yes. Um, yes. And also, check out that, uh, that 30-minute Iron Woman match that Trisha Dora and I had. It was the first ever Iron Woman match done by two African-American females. Ooh, okay, cool. I will definitely check that out. Well, Tony mm-hmm. Lynn, thank you so much for joining me on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. So if you can, just put yourself over and tell everybody where they can follow you and find you. You already started that, but just go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on social media and stuff. All righty. So at, um, on Twitter, at the 2 Lynn, uh, uh, Instagram, 2 Lynn Ramsey. Same with my Facebook, 2 Lynn Ramsey. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. And I look forward to seeing everything that you've got going on. And I also look forward to having you back on the show, you know, if the, if the opportunity ever arises. Yes, yes, absolutely. I want to come back. This was great. Yes, we wish you nothing but good things here. Thank you. You're welcome. Right, so now we're going to recap Monday Night Raw. And of course, we had a lot of big things take place on um, this show. But of course, I'm going to start with talking about my girls. So Shayna Baszler and Charlotte Flair had a match against each other because the week before, Shayna Baszler was messing with Nia Jax's head and saying that she really didn't have what it takes to defeat her, but she knew she could. So now this is them fighting against each other. Um, Charlotte gave a quick interview backstage and then she made her interest to battle Baszler in a non-title match. But Nia Jax didn't accompany her tag team partner to the ring because they showed a video earlier in the day of them confronting each other over the issue of them, you know, not having each other's backs in that title match that Nia Jax had against Charlotte. So um, they went outside, they went to the ring and Charlotte sent her, sent Shayna Baszler out of the ring once the match started and hit a slingshot crossbody to take her down as they went to commercial break. And then we came back from break and saw that Shayna, um, that, well, no, I'm sorry, that Charlotte threw Shayna with a fall away slam and then she climbed up to the top turnbuckle but then Shayna Baszler grabbed her and hit a kick to the head for a two count and then she grabbed Charlotte and Kira Fuda clutch but Charlotte countered with a side suplex then Shayna Baszler dropped her with a German suplex and a boot to the face for another near fall and then she hit a few more kicks before Charlotte knocked her down with a clothesline and then Charlotte um in a cool move here used Andrade's signature spinning elbow to get another two count and I thought that was cool because you know it's always cool to see wrestlers using their bays moves like oh it's cute I live for it then she climbed up to the top rope and hit a moonsault to the floor to take out her opponent then surprisingly Nia Jax came out there and the distraction allowed Shayna Baszler to throw Charlotte into the steps Then we return from another commercial break to see both women trading shots as Nia Jax paced at ringside watching the action. Then Charlotte hit another German suplex before Charlotte took her down with a chop block. And then Nia Jax got on the apron and distracted Shayna Baszler, allowing Charlotte to hit a big boot for the win. So after this match and after Charlotte was celebrating her win, Alexa Bliss came out, um, much to the happiness of everybody in the audience. She came out with a gift in hand for Charlotte and Charlotte tried to refuse the gift, but Alexa was like, you know, 
just take it and open it and then the crowd chanted for charlotte to open a box and when she did she found that she had her own version of lily that was called charlie and what was so weird is she was talking about how she gave charlotte charlie because she wanted her to have a friend after she lost the raw women's championship at extreme rules to her and she said that everybody needs a friend including a self-absorbed narcissistic b-word like you and everybody was like oh that's so crazy and um then after they after she said that charlotte and alexa wound up fighting and then bliss got the upper hand to win the exchange and then she picked up the belt and lifted it and it looked really good here so i was actually cool with this segment because um you saw charlotte sort of play into alexa bliss's character which i feel like has just been doing amazing work um so yeah i thought this segment was really great and i thought it was pretty funny how um bliss basically just got under her skin by calling her a narcissistic b-word because it's true that is what she is so but i also thought it was funny how charlotte was saying i don't need friends because i'm the queen and all this other stuff but when you came to when when you came to the main roster a second time who did you debut with you debuted with team pcb which was Paige and becky lynch so yeah okay um <laughs> also with the women you had nikki ash versus tamina and then you had rhea ripley versus natalia so after a backstage fight broke out between both of the teams, Sonya Deville booked Nikki and Tamina in addition to Natalia versus Rhea Ripley. So um, Tamina and Nikki took place first. Tamina threw Nikki across the ring by her head to immediately take control. And then she hit a series of body shots before Nikki was able to hit a low drop kick to bring her to one knee. And then Tamina leveled Nikki with a massive right hand before um, Nikki began to build up some momentum and then she hit a tornado DDT for the pin but then it looked like Tamina may have kicked out in time but the referee made the call to count it as three and then the announcer said that Nikki won by a mistake and then Tamina proceeded to attack Nikki after the bell and then Natalia prevented Rhea Ripley from getting involved so Tamina could swing Nikki into the barricade and then after a commercial break um, Rhea versus Natalia was already taking place. Um, so Natalia had control for most for quite some time before Rhea Ripley was able to turn the tables on her and then she kicked Natty out of the ring and when she tried to hit a drop kick she hit Tamina instead allowing Natalia to take her down with a neck breaker then we returned from commercial break to see Rhea Ripley escape an abdominal stretch and then um, Rhea hit a few headbutts and a low drop kick as she built up a head of steam and then she hit a beautiful northern light suplex for a close two count then nikki ash came back out after being checked for injuries and tripped up natalia while the ref was being distracted and then she stopped natalia from using the ropes for leverage and a cover allowing ripley to lock in her tra her trademark um submission cloverly for the win so both of these matches were pretty good so now it's looking like Rhea and Nikki have sort of like the advantage or the upper hand um coming this Monday when they face Natty and Tamina for the women's tag team titles and I'm very excited about that so that's gonna be good
All right, so we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, but I'm going to continue talking about the women on Raw. So, um, Dewdrop versus Eva Marie happened. And this match was relatively short, you know, given the circumstances. Um, so Dewdrop was out for her first rematch for her rematch against Eva Marie after she left her former mentor beaten down two weeks ago when they were originally supposed to fight. Um, Eva tried to take control relatively early, but Dewdrop overpowered her and sent her to the corner. And she dodged Dewdrop and slammed her head into the top turnbuckle a few times. And then Eva tried to roll her up, but Dewdrop didn't budge because how can someone you know be someone as small as Eva lift up someone like as imposing as Dewdrop and then Dewdrop hit a senton and a low cross body to get the win so during this match I kind of felt like Eva Marie wasn't exactly selling as best as she could have in this match but seeing as she's really there's still a little bit work she she just needs a little bit more work um as a wrestler um but I'm happy to see that Dewdrop is getting um, some shine from it. So hopefully this will lead to Dewdrop sort of, you know, dropping the whole Dewdrop name and actually getting Piper Niven on there. But we'll see. So that's pretty much it for the women. Um, I was really glad to see more women action you know on a monday night raw in comparison to smackdown that had been on the struggle bus um last week but we'll talk more about smackdown um later but the women's action on here was really was really good so i was really happy to see that so with the men on raw the show started with um randy orton and riddle the raw tag team champions going out here and talking trash at bobby lashley and mvp so they came to the ring to talk about the situation with the title match that was going to be at the end of the night between randy orton and bobby lashley so mvp wanted to know how um randy orton got their clash moved from extreme rules to monday night so orton said he went to management and they granted his request just because he is randy orton it excuse me and during this he was talking about um how it had nothing to do with politics it just had to do with me being randy orton and my soul was just like first of all that is politics you just mentioned your name being mentioned as if you know oh i'm randy orton i get what i want that is politicking but okay um and then big e came out and he just sort of watched him argue with a huge smile on his face because earlier in the day he had tweeted and told everybody that he was going to cash in his money in the bank briefcase but not a lot of people were sure about that considering a lot of people have said this and then wound up taking it back or the one of the last people who said that they were going to cash in their money in the bank you know like john cena is like they said it and then it wound up falling through so we weren't sure how sure he was until um, it got to a point where Bobby Lashley and Randy Orton were kind of looking past him and not taking him seriously enough. And he was sort of backed into a corner in the ring while watching them fight each other and everything. And he was just watching them like, uh-huh, yeah, I see y'all not taking me seriously. Y'all gonna regret it. You know what I'm saying? So it was cool to see that. So I'm just looking like, man, this is gonna be something cool. So that was really awesome and of course there was a payoff at the end but i'm gonna talk about that a little bit later then we had the viking raiders and drew mcintyre versus veer shanky and drew and not drew i'm sorry and gender mahal 
Uh, we returned from a commercial break to see Veer and Shanky and Jinder Mahal before Eric and Ivar had made their entrance because they were beating up on Drew, I believe. And then the Vikings ran down to clear the ring so the match could get going. Then Eric and Veer started for their teams. Eric hit some big strikes right away before Veer took him down with a diving Thez Prez. Then Jinder Mahal tagged in and continued the beat down while also taking a cheap shot at Drew Drew. Then um, there was a quick tag from the heels that kept Eric isolated until he managed to roll out of the way of an elbow drop. And then Drew McIntyre and Jinder both tagged in and the Scottish warrior ran him over. And he took out on Veer and Shanky before going back to work on his rival. And then Shanky got the tag and then Drew McIntyre slammed him with the Michinoku driver and he nailed the Claymore for a win. So this match was relatively short, but it was still fun um, to see Drew McIntyre sort of you know, take on a role that doesn't involve him going after the title and he, and it doesn't feel stale at all either. So, you know, Drew feuding with Jinder Mahal and his buddies is still, you know, relatively cool, even though this was really short. It was kind of like a blink, a blink and you miss it match, but it was still cool either way. So then we had Damian Priest versus Jeff Hardy for the United States title. And I thought this was really funny because just last week a lot of people were tripping off of the fact that Jeff Hardy was running after um Reggie for the 24-7 title and everybody was mad and they were just like nah man this is Jeff Hardy he shouldn't be you know relegated to this or whatever but now he's <laughs> fighting for the United States title because Damian Priest you know challenged him and he wanted to challenge somebody that he actually respects enter jeff hardy who's basically a veteran out here in these streets no more words i love you my brother he's not my brother but i still love him because you know the last name so um sheamus actually came down to watch the match from the commentary table because he is the number one contender um to the u.s title so there he's gonna be fighting damian priest at extreme rules Jeff Hardy tried to hit a shoulder tackle and then Priest ran him over with his own shoulder tackle. Then Hardy used his speed to hit a few moves, but then Priest was able to avoid the twist of fate. Then um, Damian Priest nailed a jumping elbow before Jeff took him down with a low drop kick. Then Damian Priest hit a rolling senton to the floor before he came face to face with Sheamus as the show came to a commercial. Then we came back from commercial to see Jeff having his ears boxed before Priest tried a super side suplex. Then Jeff Hardy reversed the momentum and landed on him for a two count. Damian Priest then kicked out of a few more pin attempts before he hit a spinning heel kick to turn things around. Then Jeff almost stole the win before his opponent hit the reckoning for the win. But that reckoning looked a little bit janky for a second. So it looked like Damian Priest was just kind of happy. He still came out with the win while still kind of low-key panicking on his face. Like, oh my God, I almost messed up that reckoning. But it's okay. People make mistakes. Um, Sheamus attacked um, Damian as soon as the match was over and then he took Jeff Hardy out for good measure before Priest nailed him with a boot to the face so this match was pretty good and it sort of gave it sort of gives me more this match sort of gave off more um proof that Damian Priest could very well be a future world champion at some point um and him and Sheamus fighting each other is relatively good, but I kind of want to see Priest fight someone else. Um, so if he decided to fight Jeff Hardy again, that would be cool too. But, you know, just 
you know, anybody, like maybe even Damien versus Xavier Woods. I don't know. Even though a lot of people are pushing for Xavier Woods to be the next king of the ring or whatever, which is cool. Um, I just want to see, you know, more other contenders for the U.S. title outside of Sheamus. So, yeah. Also, we had The New Day, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor versus Mace, T-Bar, Omos and AJ Styles. So, Mansoor danced with Kofi Kingston and Xavier was during their entrance while Mustafa looked annoyed by his young partner because that's their relationship. Um, they're kind of like big brother, little brother type of thing. And then Mansoor took control of AJ Styles right away as the match started and brought him to his corner so the baby faces could use quick tags to keep him grounded with the unicorn stampede. Then Mace and T-Bar were able to take out everyone on the opposing team by themselves because duh, big dudes. Um, Styles acted tough once they had done the dirty work for him. After a commercial break, um, Xavier and Kofi were finally able to tag in and reverse the momentum of the match in their favor. And then they took the fight to the phenomenal one while fending off people from the other team. Then Mustafa made the blind tag and took down AJ Styles, but then he saw Omos tag in. And this is where the one-sided um, component of this match started. Um, Omos dominated him until Mansoor, Kofi, and Xavier tried to help, but he single-handedly dispatched everyone before he finished off Mustafa with a two-handed choke slam. So... It's amazing to see Omos sort of get this push or whatever, even though he's supposed to be a heel or whatever. People are still fascinated with watching him, you know, sort of be this new giant, um, imposing guy. And it's like with him and AJ Styles, you know, together, it just seems like nobody's really ever messing with them because AJ, you know, is as great and as phenomenal, pun intended, as he is. You know, he has this muscle by his side, which is his X factor, which is Omos. So whenever they're in a match together, it's kind of clear what's going to happen. Um, Omos is going to win it. So that was pretty cool. So I also still want to see Bobby Lashley versus Omos too, because that little moment they had last week was just kind of off the chain. I just need that to happen more. So also to end this raw recap segment. We have Bobby Lashley versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship and everything that led to it. So, as soon as the bell rang, Randy Orton rolled out of the ring to play some mind games with Lashley. Lashley didn't try to chase him right away, and when he was distracted by Matt Riddle, um, Randy Orton went for the kill. He slammed um, Bobby into the steps and into the barricade and the announce table, but Bobby kicked out at one. Then Randy Orton sent sent Bobby Lashley into the ring post when he went for a DDT. Lashley back dropped him out of the ring. Then Randy Orton dropped him on the barricade and clotheslined him into the timekeeper's area. But then we returned from commercial break to see Randy Orton score a close two count with a superplex, which shows how strong he is. Then Bobby Lashley picked him up and ran him into the ring post. And then he hit a huge spear in the corner to make Orton double over in pain and then hit a neck breaker for another near fall this match was pretty good um randy orton hit a snap power slam for yet another two count before he spiked the championship with a rope hung ddt then bobby um this is where michael cole would say vintage orton but it's okay um <laughs> so bobby lashley countered the rko and hit a spear but then he couldn't get the pin 
So Randy Orton avoided the hurt lock and hit the RKO, but then MVP pulled Lashley towards the ropes because that's his boy. He's going to protect him. Then Randy Orton went out and hit MVP with an RKO too. And then they released a statement saying that the MVP was injured. I don't know if they released a statement or if that was a rumor or something. But if if it's true that MVP is injured and his ribs are, you know, out, um, I hope that he has a speedy recovery and he gets better so he can come back to raising hell with Bobby Lashley because they're a match made in heaven. Um, I love them and I hope he gets better. So Bobby Lashley nailed him with a spear to get the pin and retain the WWE championship. He then put Randy Orton through the announce table after the match, but then he appeared to hurt himself. And baby, this is where we began to cook with hot grease because Biggie and his music hit and all you heard was y'all want to go big then say that and then everybody lost their mind i lost my mind it went crazy like if you want to go on my social media go on at queen steph hardy on instagram and see my reaction to um to biggie coming out and cashing in because it was it was a lit it was a moment um he ran down with the re- with a referee and a briefcase, and then they cut to a commercial at the most awkward time. They treated us like American Idol, like how they used to do back in the day when they'd say at the finale, like, we'll tell you the winner after the break. Shout out to Ryan Seacrest, but God, they used to irritate me. So <laughs> that's basically what Raw did with us in this Biggie Lashley situation with the money in the bank. So they came back for commercial. Finally, I found myself getting angry at every commercial that came on, especially the football commercial. I was like, I don't care about football. Bring back Big E. So they finally brought back Big E <laughs> and Big E slapped Bobby Lashley as the referee called for the bill. Lashley was not having it. So he was like, no, ring the D word bell. And then Lashley tackled him and started unloading. But then Big E took out his injured knee and then Bobby countered the big ending and hit him with a spear, which looked like it was over because Biggie was selling it. He was laying out. And I'm just like, nah, bro, please don't let this be the end. Please don't let Biggie lose, right? But then Biggie kicked out at the last second. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And then <laughs> Biggie finally got to his feet and hit the big ending for the win. And when I tell you, I could not believe it. Big E is the new WWE champion. Yes, Lord, Jesus, hallelujah. Yes, (laughs) he spoke it. He spoke it. He called his shot and he won. And in a smart strategy, even though a lot of people like old wrestling jerks decided to talk about how, um, it looked bad that Big E took advantage of um, an injured champion in Bobby Lashley or whatever who had just finished a match or whatever and all of that. And they made it seem like that was actually a heel tactic. No, because I feel like throughout the whole night they were making it seem that Big E, even though as, as goofy as he is, I feel like they were selling Big E to look like a smart, calculating um strategy driven hungry contender for his title that I feel like that's what they were trying to do because you don't have to be a heel to be an opportunist you don't like there are people who can be opportunists and still be just as well a good person 
And Big E is an angel, and that's exactly what he did. He was using a smart strategy. He saw the champion was down, and he did what he had to do. He said, "If you," he said it on SmackDown last week. If you got what I need, I'm coming to visit you. And that's exactly what he did. He called his shot, and that's exactly what he did. And anybody who was subscribing to the idea that can't nobody take Big E seriously just because he's a goofball, then. I suggest you unsubscribe to that magazine and pick up a new book to read because, baby, this is Big E's time. I said it last year when Kofi Kingston gave when Kofi and Xavier gave him his blessing to go off on his own. I said it then and I stand by it now. This is Big E's time and he deserves this. And it wasn't and he didn't have to wait like a whole full on decade for it to happen either. Like this is it. Like this is for him. Like this is his moment and he deserves this. He deserves to be celebrated and his boys came out to celebrate with him the same way he celebrated with Kofi um, for WrestleMania. Okay, they had that moment. It was beautiful. It was loving. And that's just all there is to it. Big E deserves his moment. And if you hating, then you really just need to check yourself. Just check yourself before you wreck yourself and hush. And also on Monday, they are actually going to face off against the bloodline on Raw. And that's going to be cool. So that's all for the Raw recap. And now we're going to recap NXT 2.0. All right. So now I'm going to review NXT NXT. 2.0 so this was the first episode of nxt where we were going to see what this new revamping is supposed to be so the revamping and the colors and everything was really cool and of course the theme song performed by wale um was really great too so i was actually you know going into it with an open mind and it seems like the place that they're performing at is actually more round and circular um than it has been in the past in terms of NXT's places to, that they've performed. So it looked really cool and really open and nice. So I actually liked um, the set going going into it. Now, the first female match they had was B-Fab versus Katrina Cortez. So this was B-Fab's um, debut in the ring. And she was being put over, of course, by her hit row brothers and stuff. And she was relatively short on words and she was ready to get it cracking with Katrina Cortez in the ring. So this match was relatively short. B-Fab um, basically beat up Katrina Cortez and caught her with a bicycle kick and a neck breaker for the win. And after the match ended, she went off on Electra Lopez, who came out um, to talk some trash at her because she is now aligned with um, Legado del Fantasma, who they've been beefing with for like the past month. And the both of them were ready to fight and stuff, but the men were holding them back. And something that I thought was a little bit off about this match, the beef habit had, it's like, it was her first time, you can kind of tell it was. I feel like the more she fights, the more, I feel like the more she fights, maybe she'll find more of her groove. Or maybe she needs a little bit more time, you know, to cook in the oven, um, in the PC oven and train some more. But I mean, she has potential there, but it seems like, you know, her strongest suit is really, you know, being in the group and just sort of talking and stuff. But I'm pretty sure that she will improve, you know, the more she gets in the ring. So 
um, that was the first female match. Then our second match was Casey Catanzaro, Team Casey Squared, which is Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter and Saray versus um, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, and Mandy Rose, um, who are now formerly known as Toxic Attraction. Um, Mandy Rose, of course, had wrestled in a match against Saray a couple weeks ago, and then she had broken her face. But now it seems that Mandy Rose came back with a new look and her new look was the fact that now Mandy Rose is a brunette and I like it. (laughs) It's almost like the time she cut her hair short um, while she was feuding with Sonya Deville. It was it took it took some getting used to. But then eventually you were able to get used to it. But now she's a full-on brunette. And I feel like this hair brings out more of her facial features. And it's pretty pretty. Like, it's really pretty, like, on her. Um, I'm kind of going to miss her being blonde, but the brunette does suit her. I feel like it'll look better once she's maybe once she starts getting it curled a little bit more as opposed to just having it straight like she did when she first debuted it. But I still thought it was cute. So, um, Mandy interfered in the match, you know, to cause a disqualification. But then when that, once the match start restarted as a six woman tag, um, the heels beat down the faces until Saray made the save. And then Mandy Rose looked really dominant early as she threw around everyone in her path, particularly beating up on Casey. And then once she escaped the grip of JC Jane, Casey escaped and then got the hot tag to Carter who ran over the heels and then Saray got involved and went after Mandy Rose. Um, but then she sent Saray out of the ring and then Rose hit a bicycle knee um, on Caden Carter to take the victory. Now, something that I did like seeing here was how aggressive Mandy Rose was getting. It looks like she has gotten like way better um, as a singles competitor here. And I believe her with um, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan, will amplify them a whole lot more as competitors so that was really exciting um and also involving the women on the end you kind of had the um wedding between Indy Hartwell and um Dexter Loomis and they had the funniest middle names you had Indy Ophelia Hartwell and Dexter Gaylord Loomis (laughs) like this was just a really goofy segment and it was really funny and it was really necessary like this was just hilarious um Austin Theory arrived with Damian Priest which low-key gave off the impression that he was going to marry them but he wasn't so it was okay and Odyssey Jones and um Johnny was helping to prepare for the wedding and so Johnny had trouble giving away the spotlight to the bride but he eventually did and then Austin Theory revealed that Ikim and Jira had the rings. He's like, that's my guy. That's my guy. And he was like the funniest part of the whole segment sometimes. And then Indy, you know, gave her vows and talked about how um, Dexter likes to watch over her and how that one time he actually snuck in her room and they got a little, you know, frisky and stuff. But then Johnny and Candace didn't want to hear that. So she talked about how much she loved him and stuff. And then... Dexter basically just gave a thumbs up and the priest was mad about that he was just like bro like she just poured out her heart to you and you didn't say anything and she and he wound up squeezing him and putting him in a sleeper hold and knocked him out 
and they were asking to see who could take the place to be the priest. And at first they said maybe William Regal, but then Beth Phoenix decided to get ordained online and she decided to take it over. So she um, officiated the wedding and then um, Andre Chase tried to get involved, but then o Odyssey, you know, clawed him back down to his seat and choked him out. And then finally, as you know, Beth Phoenix was saying, you know, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband for rich or for poor, blah, blah, blah. Y'all know the vows. Um, and Andy said, I do. And then before Dexter, you know, said anything, Beth was just assuming that, you know, we'll we'll just take that silence as a yes. Right. But then he covered up the microphone and then he walked up to his microphone and said, I do and everybody started cheering and then like if you go back and watch the clip of it it is super funny because the first person to jump up and cheer was Austin Theory and he was just like yeah and it was so funny because everybody in the audience was shushing was shushing to try to hear if Dexter Loomis was going to say something and he's never talked on the show before like he's never spoken as long as he's been on NXT but this drove him to spoke love let him speak so it was cool so the glamazon ordained a wedding and you know told them you know you are now pronounced you know husband and wife they kissed and all of the above so that's pretty much all that happened with the women there andy hartwell is now andy loomis and love conquers all and that was great so <laughs> and this was probably the first wedding outside of i guess you could say hunter Triple H and Stephanie to go off without a hitch, even though they had a ceremony that he, you know, kind of ended. But then there was the first ceremony they had in which she was drugged, which was never a good thing, you know, which kind of speaks to the time in which this was going on at. Um, drugging women is never okay. It's never okay. That's something that we have established from Dark Side of the Ring and all of that. So that's never okay. But this was probably the first wedding to kind of go through without so much as a hitch. And then, well, no, you have Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man. They got married and that was cool. So, yeah, that was cool. So to bring it back to the men, a lot of stuff happened. Um, the first match to take place was LA Knight versus Braun Breaker, who is actually revealed to be one of the Steiner boys. Um, it, NXT started with promos from Tommaso Ciampa, Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, and LA Knight because they were set to face each other in a fatal four-way for the NXT Championship, which was now vacated due to Samoa Joe being injured, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, so when LA Knight finished talking himself up, Braun Breaker challenged him to a match, and LA, of course, accepted the match with a notable arrogance because he was just like, yeah, I'm going to beat you because you're a rookie and then I'm going to go on and face, you know, and go on and face everybody else in the Fatal 4-Way and win the title, right? So he found himself quickly at a disadvantage against the newcomer, though, and then Braun Breaker and his strength was too much for him, who, and he caught him with a gorilla press power slam for the win. So you have this rookie dude. <laughs> Um, who is a Steiner um, beat beat up on LA Knight and this was cool to me because something that this NXT is now doing in terms of its revamp is sort of introducing newer stars to the fold and presenting them in a way you know that makes them still um, 
valid as athletes even though they're new and no one's really seen them before and I thought and I think that was one thing that I really appreciated about this revamped NX team then we had Imperium versus Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs um Josh Briggs was talking up his tag team partner before the bell and the two of them fought hard against the top tag team however Imperium used their speed and tag team chemistry which is of course you know known was something that they're known for now to take advantage of the mistakes by the new tandem but and then fabian eichner put this match away with a double underhook superplex so there's that um then we had carmelo hayes um come back you know to sort of talk himself up and then he brought in his friend trick williams and um the thirst was real for trick williams on twitter um Especially with me, and it's so funny because this this girl I follow named who also follows me named Cool Bunny was telling me to log off after I said that Trick was a treat because if y'all see the pictures of Trick Williams, that is a fine chocolate man. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, but um Trick was telling him, you know, I know you, you know, from a long time ago, you know, you need somebody to watch your back, you know, for a future title opportunity, and then he was telling um Carmelo to stop being humble and take his shot at the top and then they walked out of the ring and then Duke Hudson interrupted as they walked out and disrespected him because they have beef from the NXT breakout tournament and then Trick and Carmelo proceeded to stomp out and jump Duke Hudson into the mat before planting him with a springboard uppercut so that was interesting because it seemed like they sort of lost whatever it was that they were trying to say in a certain point but they kind of made up for it and how they beat up on duke hudson so that was interesting they little they kind of need a little bit more work especially trick because this is our first time seeing him but yeah i do want to see more of trick and carmelo but mostly tricks because yeah this tricks is not for kids this tricks is for adults either way um i'm sorry so <laughs> Ridge Holland and Drake Maverick fought against each other and this was a pretty one-sided affair um Ridge Holland showed no remorse by attacking Drake Maverick and he sent him flying out of the ring before he took him out with the northern grit and um Grayson Waller checked on his brutalized partner while Holland stood tall so yeah I feel like Drake Maverick just kind of needs to find more of himself and his identity now because he was on NXT and they put him back on Raw and they put him back on NXT I don't know what is going on with Drake Maverick but I feel like they need to find more of a direction for him soon before he just becomes a jobber footnote person so yeah no disrespect though because I love him and I also love his um, wife Renee Michelle so yeah, I also have an interview with Renee Michelle on Women's Wrestling Talk. You guys should check out on YouTube. Please check it out. Um, then we have the Creed Brothers versus local competitors. This tag team impressed me. I had never seen them before, but they seriously impressed me. So Brutus and Julius are these brothers. And they basically um, are a part of the Diamond Mine. And they beat up on on these local competitors like it was nobody's business. Um, Brutus made an impact before Julius ended this with um, a rolling fireman's carry into a low running uppercut for the win. And then Malcolm Bivens, you know, put over 
the newest member of the Diamond Mine, whose name is Ivy Nile, and she looks like a mixture between Lady Frost, Camille, and um and legit Layla Hirsch like if you combine all three of those people into one woman that's what Ivy Nile reminds me of and shout out to NWA um and Impact um Kushida then interrupted to interrupted to challenge Roger Strong to a match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship and Malcolm Bivens made it official so there we have that part and then we get to the main event, which was Tommaso Ciampa versus Pete Dunn versus LA Knight versus newcomer Von Wagner, who took the place of Kyle O'Reilly, who got attacked by Pete Dunn and Ridge Holland in the locker room. So Tommaso Ciampa cut a final promo promising to get his NXT championship back. Wagner held in the ring early, but then he got DDT'd by LA Knight, followed by Pete Dunn nearly breaking his fingers. Um, and then he got back into the ring, clotheslining Pete Dunne out of the ring, followed by a reverse side slam to LA Knight. It almost looked like Von Wagner was going to win a couple of times here in this match. Like that would have been amazing, you know, for the new start to NXT, um, 2.0 with their new era, but it wound up not happening. LA Knight snuck in to plant Pete Dunne with a blunt force trauma for a near fall broken up by Wagner, but then Wagner got the blunt force trauma for his trouble. And then Ciampa took over and then he nearly had done with the fairy tale ending, but then the British wrestler turned it into the bitter end. Um, I was really hoping that Pete Dunn was going to win myself, but you know, whatever. And then LA Knight got involved by, um, followed by Wagner, who hit the million dollar megastar with an Olympic slam. And then in the ensuing action, Wagner hit a double underhook suplex on LA Knight. And then Ciampa ran in and struck the fairytale ending on LA Knight for the win. So the new NXT champion is now Tommaso Ciampa. And I was a little bit disappointed with this, but considering he never lost that title to begin with, I can, you know, allow it. But I would have liked it better if Pete Dunne won. Okay, so this is where I'm going to end the show. Now, I did, I believe maybe earlier in the show, I did say that I was going to review SmackDown, but I feel weird about reviewing it, seeing as I only saw like one hour of it and didn't get to see the rest of the show, considering I was doing an interview with someone. So I don't feel weird about reviewing a show I didn't necessarily watch, but I did see reactions on Twitter to a couple of things. One of them being Naomi um, snapping on Sonya Deville and telling her not to ignore her and basically running down her own resume for her and telling her, um, no, ma'am, you're not going to ignore me because I am a two-time SmackDown Women's Champion. I've accomplished more than you and you are not going to treat me like crap. And I appreciated that. Um, and I also appreciated the fact that Bianca Belair stood up to Becky Lynch, even though Becky tried to interrupt her homecoming because this was... Um, this SmackDown episode was in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is where Bianca is from. And Kane, um, was there as the mayor, um, and gave her a key to the city, which is amazing for her and congratulations. But a part of me kind of hated the idea that, um, watching on social media hated the idea that Bianca Belair couldn't even stand tall in her hometown, but historically 
in more recent years. Um, WWE doesn't allow a lot of people to stand tall in their hometown, so that was okay. I guess they're doing that to make us feel sorry for her as the babyface, as Becky Lynch sort of embraces being the obnoxious evil heel now. So that's cool. Um, and I know that the tag team match that was probably meant for last week's SmackDown happened um, between Zelina Vega partnering with Carmella against Liv Morgan and Tony Storm. And a lot of people didn't said that that really wasn't exactly the best match that could have happened. But considering they're taking a step in the right direction by having Liv Morgan challenge Carmella to a match, um, I think that's a step in the right direction. But I still say that SmackDown does need to do a little bit better um, with showing more of their women's uh, more of their women's wrestling that doesn't have anything to do with the um, title. So that's really all I have to say about SmackDown because, like I said, I didn't watch it all the way through because I had an interview to do. Your girl be working, so I'm sorry. So that's pretty much it for this episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. As always, you can follow me, your girl, um, Stephanie, on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Hardy Wrestle Pod. And you can um, check out what's also going on on our Facebook page, um, The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And follow me on Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy and Instagram at Queen Steph Hardy. So please continue to support um, and love on this podcast as much as you possibly can. When you see me sharing clips of different interviews and stuff, please share it. Um, like, share, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um, and just continue to support the show. And, you know, also to continue to support um, me and all the other work that I'm doing um, outside of the show with um, Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. Um, please um, support me in that and continue to support wrestling podcasters in general because we're really working hard to create great content for you guys. And, you know, just giving of ourselves to be honest about what's going on. So with that in mind, I hope you're being safe and you're being your best self and just know that someone somewhere loves you and someone somewhere is looking up to you. Um, even though you might not think anybody is, someone is. So continue to just be your best self and be who you truly are because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So with that in mind, this is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy signing off. Bye, y'all.